Megatron have some ginormous blanket. I don't know who gave that to him. Hello and welcome to the AfterSpark podcast, an episode by episode recap of the Generation 1 Transformers cartoon. I'm Els. And I'm Specs. And today we're going to be talking about episode number 11, The Ultimate Doom, part 1. Let's talk about giant robots today, shall we? Yeah. So finally, we are to our second three-parter, the ultimate doom. (laughs) In an idyllic village in India, a very, very white Raja with ginger hair is dicking around with a solar array in his palace. (laughs) Oh, 80s. And you you know what? You know where this is going, right? It's a solar power thing, and who loves themselves some energy? That's right, Decepticons. (laughs) And here come the Seekers! And then the Autobots water ski to the rescue in car mode. Yes, really. <laughs> yeah. It, it looks like they're just coming across the sound or something. <laughs> but, yeah. Which, one thing, you would presume they're coming from the West Coast going to India. <laughs> That's a long ass trip. <laughs> it's just like, okay then. Um, apparently we have Wheeljack to thank for this. Yep, and some of the Autobots are ungrateful for this, you know, technological marvel. <coughs> Sunstreaker buddy, we're looking at you. Cough, cough. The Autobots arrive at the palace and somehow, and we mean literally somehow, get the Maharaja out of Skywarp's hands. Like, Skywarp looks like he's... It looks like he, like, floats away or something. I, I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, it's like... The way Skywarp is holding the Maharaja is like his shoulders go up like a further two feet past his head or something. It looks really weird. And then the Maharaja just like totally floats out of his hands. And he over to Optimus. Anyway, um, Megatron is watching this all go down on some big ass view screen with uh, Dr. Archival. First time we've seen that dude. And also, where the hell is that camera placed? Like, how are they getting all these views? I mean, I guess the Decepticons do have, like, a camera and, like, surveillance systems in an earlier episode, so at least they know how to do surveillance systems. Well, right, but but no palace in India? True. I don't know. Heck, maybe maybe they seated cameras around someplace. I don't know. Did they, like, toss Rumble in there to wire up security (laughs) footage or something? I feel like Reflector would be the more that they... You're right, you're right. My brain was going, what mini-bots do we have? And Rumble and Frenzy were the only humanoid ones that were coming to my head. But you're absolutely right, Reflector would be a better choice for this. Except I don't think it can broadcast. Who knows? (laughs) Actually, I'm pretty sure that Laserbeak can broadcast. Yes! We see that in the movie, don't we? Well, we see it in a couple other places. Anyway, so my favorite part about all this is that this fiasco is called Operation Guinea Pig. Apparently. How does Megatron know what a guinea pig is? Who gave him the primer on children's pets? Specs! Specs! The words Operation Guinea Pig came out of Megatron, commander of the Decepticon's mouth, multiple times! <laughs> Maybe Archival just pulled out a dictionary of, like, common things to use in science experiments, and <laughs> guinea pigs happen. I don't care! I just got to hear Megatron say guinea pig so many times in this episode, it was great! Anyway... Megatron orders Soundwave, who's just standing out front of the art for some freaking reason, to get their test subject. <laughs> so this goes back to the Autobots' lack of, you know, security measures or surveillance, because how the hell does no one notice him? He's just literally, He's literally standing. just standing out there. <laughs> He's just, like, hanging out, chilling right in front of the Ark in broad daylight. It's so... it's so dumb. <laughs> so... Soundwave 
ejects Rumble. Rumble books it into the base and then pile drives the hell out of the floor to try to get the Autobots' attention. This this works. To a degree. Yeah. And Soundwave then ejects Ravage, who also seems to be here for distracting the Autobots, because apparently they need, like, a three-pronged strike for this. Yes. So, lastly, Laserbeak is ejected and goes through the top of the volcano and into the Ark. Well, the Autobots need doors, but apparently they don't have them, but whatever. And while Rumble and Ravage are busy being distracting, and Spike and Sparkplug are cheering for the Autobots during this fight... Laserbeak descends from the heavens and grabs Sparkplug and swoops the hell off of him. <laughs> Spike is saddened by the sudden development of the loss of his father. Well, you know, any teenage boy would be. Probably. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, he seems like he has a good relationship with his dad. Yeah, they so... do, actually, so yes. Yeah. Meanwhile, back in India, the fighting has, like, profusely damaged the surrounding palace. Like, there's just random holes in places. Extracts. Yeah. yeah. I'm not really seeing, like, scorch marks or anything. At least I don't remember seeing, but... Yeah, whatever. The place is badly damaged. The solar array is probably, you know... Kaput. Yeah. Megatron recalls his troops after <coughs> Operation Guinea Pig is successful. The Autobots remain confused until Optimus Prime's boobs begin to glow. Because... Well, Morning boobs. <laughs> well, Megatron had glowing boobs a few episodes ago, right? Clearly Prime was jealous and he had a set installed himself. Yeah. And so they're warned that the Ark was attacked while they were tangoing with the Seekers. Back at the Decepticons underwater base, Laserbeak returns with Sparkplug. And so like, okay, I just want to note this because I think it's kind of neat how much control Laserbeak has. Like they're going down an elevator and Laserbeak stays perfectly stable in the center of this elevator while he's flying, holding Sparkplug. Laserbeak is amazingly competent. He is. As are most of Soundwave's cassettes. Thank you. This has been my TED Talk. <laughs> yeah. And then Skywarp and Starscream totally bicker like mean girls. While Thundercracker just, you know, stands by himself in the corner. <laughs> you know, you try to avoid... Like, he wants to avoid the trauma. Yeah. Sparkplug tries to make a break for it and begins smashing everything on a computer console that's nearby. Well, you know, button mashing, it fixes everything. Percussive maintenance, it's totally a thing. Even if, you know, you're trying to, like, yeah. escape... Your kidnappers. Are we going to talk about if that's his method? I don't want him working on the Autobots. <laughs> no, at this point he's been kidnapped. He doesn't want to help the Decepticons. So, like, he just wants to fuck their shit up. True. Naturally, this does nothing and he's restrained into a chair as Dr. Evil himself installs a computer chip behind his ear. Like, there's no glue or anything? It's just, like, stuck there, staying there through the power of Evil! <laughs> no, it's weird. It's like, does he have a slot behind his ear <laughs> to go in? All I know is that the doc seems very confident as Megatron's spouse is about creating a new race of slaves. Meanwhile, Shockwave calls to tell Megatron his new space bridge is almost ready. I'm sensing a pattern here, Shockwave. You've gotta get a better job, dude. Unfortunately, he's stuck being the elevator guy in this continuity. That's yeah. like his, his job. Pretty much. Doc turns on the computer chip and reveals it to be a mind control device. And to test to test this, Megatron he like opens a door that apparently no one else has looked behind <laughs> and like produces a perfect life-size replica of Optimus Prime from this handy dandy closet that, as I said before, no one has checked out. 
Okay, can we stop for a moment to talk about how Megatron has a perfect replica of Optimus Prime stashed away here, handily close by, and furthermore, that this isn't the only time we'll see that he has something like this in this series. <laughs> Megatron has a thing. Megatron definitely has a fucking thing. <laughs> for Optimus. <laughs> he definitely does. Considering that, yeah, there's... Like, there's this, know. there's like an Optimus Prime suit Starscream is wearing, which don't even get me, don't even get me started on the implications of that. Yeah. <laughs> then there's the bit where they actually get Optimus Prime, dismantle him, stick his arm on top of a tower, and construct the rest of his body into a goddamn alligator. I wish I could tell you we're kidding, but we're not. <laughs> we're really not. The arm is shooting into a crowd of screaming Autobots below. That is actually a line from, from a piece of fanfiction that I thought was just really funny. Yeah. Let's get back on top of it. Anyway, the doctor orders Sparkplug to take out Optimus. This gives Sparkplug super strength, because apparently he just, you know, decks this 30-foot-tall robot replica... Like, by punching it in the foot or whatever and totally knocking him down? <laughs> or breaking him apart? Or, like, he grabs the foot and... Regardless, clearly something's going on here. This robot replica is made out of tinfoil. Pick one. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, considering that the Decepticons are actually surprisingly good at making weirdly lifelike fakes of things that then fall apart. True. Maybe it's paper mache. <laughs> Okay, okay, but what you're telling me, because clearly no one helped him make this if they didn't know it was there, <laughs> is that Megatron, leader of the Decepticons, was busy making a paper mache copy of Optimus Prime in his spare time that has been lovingly crafted in such a way that it looks exactly like Optimus Prime, isn't in fact painted like Optimus Prime, it has working optics like and Optimus walks. Prime, and walks, that's what I mean, he moves. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just imagining Megatron sending someone out to get, what, flour, water, glue? Newspaper? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Soundwave, send me frenzy right away. Oh god, and then we'd go back to the library thing, like someone would have had to provide him with arts and crafts for instructions. Uh, pretty much. Let's get back on topic. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Autobots meet on top of a steep cliff overlooking the ocean, where Optimus, Sunster, Gerjaz, Wheeljack, Gears, and Bumblebee dive in. And then Braun, Windcharger, and Cliffjumper split off and start drilling. Underground, because apparently we need a two-pronged assault. Braun just pulls a drill out of his engine compartment for this. Three question marks, because... That was super weird, and where the hell did it come from, Braun? The Autobots are just... So the Autobots in the ocean are detected by a Decepticon scanner. As I said earlier, the Decepticons totally have security cameras. Apparently they're the only ones who have actually, you know, cottoned on to security being a thing. Apparently. <laughs> uh, Optimus's group gets blasted by a fusion cannon as Megatron casually steps out from behind a rock. And yet another underwater fight ensues. <laughs> the three drilling bots come up from the ocean floor. This confuses me. Why would they come up here and not just underneath and into the Decepticon base directly? It's... it's silly. It's really silly. 
Or at least that's how the animation, like, the animation makes it look like the Decepticon base is on the open, the ocean floor. But when they come up, it's not. And they come up underneath the Decepticon base and it isn't flush to the ocean floor. I kind of feel like it just is really inconsistent between the shots. Oh, the Decepticon base has, like, multiple areas and levels, considering it looks like they made, like, an entire city down there. Yeah, but think their... they would enter through an area that is flush to the ocean floor, then. It would make sense, but the people writing this episode were not thinking sensibly. Let's go with that. <laughs> it's silly. Let's go with that. Let's go with the fact that it's silly and let it go. And <laughs> let it go. <laughs> let it go. Let it go. Or whatever. God. <laughs> In the base, Starscream and the Doctor are arguing with the Doctor threatening to reprogram you into a trash compactor. Which I'd love to see. Cliffjumper's glass gas makes a lightsaber sound effect when it's used here. And Cliffjumper used this right where Starscream was standing, apparently, as two seconds later, Starscream falls through the floor and out into the ocean. Which is really hilarious. It is. He's like mid-argument with with Dr. Evil here. And like, he just falls down, and there's a splash, and then the Autobots just climb up. You would think they would have, like, had to go past each other or something. Uh, Anyway, the Autobots play past the human as they pick up Spark Plug after entering the base. And then just, you know, totally take him out into deep water. He's, yeah, he's totally gonna die? Because, I mean, uh, I... uh, I've forgotten the word. Uh, Bends? Yes. I keep wanting to say deep vein thrombosis. <laughs> that is not what I want. The bends. He's going to die from the bends. Well, also, you know, being underwater. Yeah, not if they long. get him to the top quickly. Well, seriously, I it, feel like Ratchet yeah. needs to, like, sit down and have, like, a conference with all the Autobots and explain how fragile their squishies are. Yes, because the thing is, getting him up there fast is more of a danger to with the bends. Uh... Taking a slow time means he's going to drown. Uh, <laughs> well, take your poison. It's, well, maybe they can get a hyperbaric chamber or something that they can, you know, slowly, slowly do the pressure of whatever. Yeah. Using. I don't know. Let's get back to this. <laughs> Instead of me being, like, worried about sensible stuff. <laughs> Sense? Here? Never. So at the arc, the bots are all getting fixed up after that fight. And Spike notices something is wrong with Sparkplug. And now the Decepticons are here, suddenly. The Decepticons just literally blasted a hole in the wall with no one noticing, so I guess the, the med bay is in the part of the arc that s- sticks out? Apparently. Megs comes in and shoots Prime at point blank range in the chest. I feel like he should be dead. He's not. Um, they also do make a point of saying that something must be wrong with Teletran 1 for the Decepticons to have gotten in this way. And given that all the bots' weapons malfunction in the, the next shot, it's a pretty safe bet that Sparkplug has sabotaged the shit out of everything. It seems like he has literally had been the most effective Decepticon agent in this entire series. Though Nightbird does make... Nightbird is actually very good at what she does. We'll get to her later. (laughs) But yeah, Sparkplug is so far the most competent Decepticon agent here. Bumblebee then tells Spike to hide. Spike proceeds to trip over absolutely nothing, or rather an invisible wrench, if the next shot is to be believed. Where the hell is Dr. Archibald getting these camera feeds from? He's getting close-ups of Spike during all this, which A, is creepy, B... 
did someone just send, you know, flying pinhole cameras in there? (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Spike tries to reason with his dad, but, you know, this fails, because poor Sparkplug is still under the mind-controlled power of evil Shaggy here. Yes, we do have Casey Kasem doing yet another voice as Dr. Archibald. There's a surprising number of Scooby-Doo actors in this show. Yeah, we've gone through that. Yeah. Regardless, Spike fixes Teletran by shoving a wrench into the open panel. It it vanishes, just, you know, becomes one with the machine after this. It's... That's what cyber that's how Cybertronian tech works, right? I guess. <laughs> this, I know. Getting Teletran 1 back on activates the fire suppression system. But this apparently could short out the Decepticon circuits for some reason. Uh, they just pulled it out of their ass, but I mean it would have to be a pretty proactive system to cope with Wheeljack's normal shenanigans. True, but shorting out their circuits seems a touch excessive. And also, why wouldn't this affect the Autobots in the same way? Also, also, why would it not just be water? They were in the ocean and all perfectly fine two minutes ago. Well, this might be something that's specifically constructed to deal with, like, Fires. I don't know, fire. Or, or well, like, chemical combustible fires. Combustible energy, yes. Combustible okay. energy or something. That's fair. Well, I've also seen some particular pieces of fanfiction that, like, focus on the differences between Autobot and Decepticon construction. Mm-hmm. Though I haven't seen a whole lot of that, and it was mainly one piece of fanfiction that I should probably throw at you. It, though it does deal with an original character. Eh. So, but it was, it, well, that was pretty neat. So it could be something that specifically focuses on Decepticons, or one specific aspect of, like, their construction or something. Fair. I don't know. It's an idea. <laughs> the Decepticons retreat, uh, and possessed Sparkplug attempts to take Spike with them, but Spike refuses, you when, know. When next we meet, we are enemies! <laughs> yeah, Sparkplug delivers that line, like, there's a surprising amount of passion in <laughs> for a man who is basically being mind-controlled. <laughs> Yeah. Spike looks super dejected after this. Badly drawn and dejected. <laughs> Actually, no, I feel like I need another D word in there so we can have more alliteration, but I can't think of anything. Badly drawn down and dejected. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> the Decepticons have apparently hijacked some huge-ass satellite dishes with the intent to space bridge Cybertron to Earth. Okay, they're not exactly satellite dishes. They're those big, like, antenna dishes or whatever. Yeah, but they look like how you would think satellite dishes look like but they're just huge yeah it's just whenever someone says satellite dishes it makes me think of an actual satellite oh sorry no. that's the first image that comes to ah, mind so i had uh like i had a satellite growing up like for tv and there are just yeah. these little satellite dishes that sit in your yard okay. so that's what i think of only you know huge <laughs> okay um and now you know where the that plot from the Bay movie came from. It came from this. <laughs> it's pretty much lifted exactly from this. Pretty much. episode. It's... In some, on some levels. Yeah. And Dr. Archival is apparently tad pissed that Megatron's planning on destroying the Earth with this move, because you know what Megatron didn't tell Dr. Archival when he was promising him Earth? That he was planning on fucking shit up on Earth. I mean, it's a very Megatron move, let's be honest here. It is. It is. So, back at the Autobot base, they use Teletran to triangulate where the Decepticons have wandered off to, reaching the conclusion the Decepticons have created a fucking ginormous space bridge. And the Autobots show up at the Decepticons' location, but Megatron presents a 
ton of human slaves that he's acquired, and the Autobots, like, totally stop their attack in fear of endangering the humans, because, you know, they're Autobots, gotta save They gotta do the right thing. And the humans, okay, I know it's the perspective, and, like... It was the easiest way to draw it, but the humans come sauntering out of this building like a freaking chorus line. <laughs> like, they're coming out sort of, they're walking sideways, and they're like... <sighs> they're all moving in sync, right? Because they're all being mind-controlled? Yeah, because it's basically, I'm pretty sure it's basically just one figure that got animated, and then they copied it. Yes. So it's all on the same it's timing. It's like a chorus line. <laughs> it really does. It actually makes me think of... The musical, the chorus line, or a chorus line, um, yeah, sorry, that's the first damn thing that I thought of when we <laughs> saw this bit. Regardless, Megatron clearly has no such reservations on the fear of killing humans as he fires on Prime. Hey, they're, he has literally declared that they're just slaves to him, so Pretty much. he's evil, and of course he doesn't care because he's an <laughs> evil giant robot from outer space. Yeah. The doctor orders the human slaves to attack the Autobots. Which they do. With sticks and rocks. <laughs> God, are we at World War Three yet? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we are. I don't know. The Autobots try to carefully step around the humans to avoid hurting them. And Spike manages to get through the spark plug for a few seconds until the doctor ups the power on his hypno-chip. This is actually pretty freaky. It really is. So it's like, God, what effect is it actually having on Sparkplug's brain or any of these Yeah, like, is it destroying his brain? Is Sparkplug, like, watching all this perfectly, co- you know, conscious? <laughs> yeah. And uh, Sparkplug and Thundercracker activate two of the satellites, which leaves us with one more to go. Uh-huh. <sighs> and Optimus follows Megatron, with Megatron kicking him down a mountain and Optimus's head slamming into a rock. So, we're just gonna go with he sustains a fucking head injury here because he's about to make some very bad, dumb, no-good decisions. They're terrible. They're very bad. (laughs) Megatron reaches the control panel for the third and final, we must emphasize, final satellite to activate the space bridge but Optimus tackles him from behind. And then back to those no good, very bad decisions on Optimus's part. Megatron says if they don't bridge Cybertron here, it will be destroyed. So Optimus has to pick between Cybertron or the Earth. Optimus presses the third button himself, and then seemingly regrets it instantly. You made a stupid-ass decision, Optimus. <laughs> yes. Yes, you fucking did. <laughs> and so Cybertron is teleported near Earth, and it's, like, super freaking tiny compared to our planet. Like, it's, like, Pluto-sized or something. Which leads me to think, no wonder they were fighting over resources when they were all on Cybertron if it's that tiny. Yeah, it's, like, the Bama makes more sense scale-wise, I think. It does, actually. But, I mean, they probably had a hell of a lot more money. (laughs) True. And so Megatron proclaims victory. Optimus questions his life choices. As he should. And the episode cuts. So, join us next time for the Ultimate Doom Part 2. As natural disasters threaten the planet Earth, and Spike takes a field trip to Cybertron to reconnect with his father. This sounds like a good father-son trip, though maybe not (laughs) under these circumstances. True. I mean, Spike did say he wanted to go to Cybertron. He did! Alright, Specs, what are our fanfics for today? Alright, so today we have... Three pieces of fanfiction in our selection. The first one is 
it's actually a His Dark Materials alternate universe where um, the humans have daemons, the Transformers do not. Uh, so the title is You Say Spark, I Say Soul, and the author is Suguri underscore Suguri, and that is spelled S-G-R-I underscore S-G-R-I. Uh, it's cartoon continuity, but as I said, an AU. Uh, rated T, it's Jen. There aren't any pairings. Our characters here are Sparkplug Witwicky, Spike Witwicky, the Autobots, the Decepticons, Chip Chase, and Dr. Archibald. In summary, what's it like? Spike asked Bumblebee when the two of them were enjoying a quiet moment on the ridges around the Ark, having a soul on the inside. As if the small, squishy organics and the giant metal robots weren't different enough already. It's a his dark materials, AU. And so our character and theme wrecks for this, uh, or theme wrecks from this episode are... Basically, I wanted something that was Spike and Sparkplug-centric, considering that basically Sparkplug is mind-controlled for the entire thing, and Spike is very unhappy about this, and I wanted something that was maybe less like that, but also this cover, this piece of fanfiction covers, like, from the very beginning of the series through, uh, actually the three-parter that we're currently going through right now. So it does actually cover this. And our next one is Shootout by Lady Dragon uh, 76. It's G1 cartoon, rated T, Jen, no pairings, and our characters are Blue Streak and Perceptor. And in summary, who is the better crack shot, Blue Streak or Perceptor? And honestly, I just wanted something silly and light for this one, and it's a one shot. Also, I forgot the Spike and Spark Plug one, uh, You Say Spark, I Say Soul, is also a one shot. Uh, I should note in Shootout, Perceptor and Blue Streak are drunk. <laughs> it's kind of great. It sounds great. Mm-hmm. It's also pretty short. So our third selection today is 2014 Tiny Treats number 12, Decepticon AU edition. The author is Arian underscore Sato. It, uh, continuity-wise, it's a G1 AU. It's rated T, Gen. There aren't any pairings. Our characters are Megatron, Starscream, Skyfire, and Chromia. And in summary, a canon AU where the Ark and Nemesis still crashed on Earth, but only the Decepticons woke up. It's a story told in 12 microfix. So it's really, really short, since they're basically like one or two sentence microfix apiece. Mm. And like the, the theme or rec for this, or character or theme for this was a dark AU in light of what Cybertron would have done to Earth. Which seemed fitting. It did. It does. And so, yeah, it's a microfix, so it's very, very short, but it's actually very affecting because it's so short. Mm. And some of the stuff that it talks about. So thank you. Those are our fanfiction recommendations. I believe we have fan art. Yes, we do. Our fan art recommendation for today is Nicholas Kelsch. Kelsch? Kelsch? I guess. Nicholas Kelsch is what I'm going to go with. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. This person is no longer an active artist, but you can check out their work via the Wayback Machine and their DeviantArt page. They did a variety of things from multiple iterations of the franchise. Most of uh, the stuff on their actual website are sprites, uh, like, you know, new pixelated sprites. Mm-hmm. Personally, I really enjoyed their Beast Wars sprites because truly there's not enough Dinobot in the world to satisfy me. Uh, we are going to link to their, their old DeviantArt as well as the Wayback Machine version of their website. I do recommend checking them out because we won't be able to actually post any of their work because it's not on Tumblr, so we can't reblog it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I really like the Beast Wars stuff because I want more Beast Wars stuff about that. Yeah, it was actually pretty common back in the day for people to use the sprites as like little icons on mm-hmm. forums. That makes sense. Yeah. 
but yeah, it was, I'm really glad that I showed this to you, because I thought you'd get a kick out of his work. I did. It's like, I, I don't know, I, I like the, the really tiny Dinobots, they cracked me up. <laughs> they are. It's, it's nice seeing the little tiny sprites of characters that aren't necessarily well known. Yeah, because it, it seems like he did more stuff based off the toys than, like, the shows, per se. So you get some ones you don't normally see, which is kind of neat. And he also actually had sprites made for uh, the prequel comic that was made for Beast Wars, which was really cool, because there's, like, hardly any work for that. So I was pretty excited. And that just about wraps it up for us today. Remember to check us out on Tumblr or Pillowfort at AfterSpark Podcast for any additional information, show notes, or links we may have mentioned. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at AfterSparkPod, all one word, and various other locations by searching for AfterSpark Podcasts, such as AO3, Stitcher, and YouTube, just to name a few. You can also find us on iTunes and Google Play now. So we're also there, which is really crazy, and I can't believe they're on there, but I'm so excited. <laughs> it's because Owls is a boss. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah, till next time, I'm Specs. And I'm Owls! Tiddles! <laughs> <laughs>